no greater desire for us to have in life but to see Jesus. To be able to recognize him for who he is, not who we would like him to be or what we've heard about him necessarily, whether that's right or wrong, but to see Jesus for who he is. And that's what we look forward to. That's what we still celebrate with the Veen family as uh, one has passed on and now sees Jesus. But we have the opportunity to see who he is more and more as we meditate more and more on his word. If you're part of our uh, Bible reading plan uh, for 2021, you know that uh, we're just finishing up the book of Genesis and it lays the ground for uh, the world in which we live. When we meditate on the, the atrocity of uh, murdering the innocent, we see in our uh, reading already in the book of Genesis where that mindset, where that evil comes from, why it exists in our world and why it still permeates you and me. And it lets us see the overarching plan of our good God to bring redemption through all of it. At every turn along the way, we've been able to see that God continued to redeem the evil that we brought in, starting in the garden. And even now, as we finish up the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and finishing up with Joseph, we see God's plan. Even though there's evil in the world, He is redeeming that and using what's happening in this world to help us to see him more and to see his goodness and his plan and his grace and his mercy. To be able to see is necessary. We're going to look a little bit at that, what that means uh, in our reading today from Mark uh, 8, uh, verses 22 to 26. Let's read from that. Uh, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his own home, saying, Do not even enter the village. I want you to oblige me for a moment uh, and close your eyes. Do you see anything? We've, we've closed the lids on the coverings of our eyes so that what was there just a second ago is not visible anymore. But you still see something, don't you? You can open your eyes. You see the light. You saw the light yet, right? I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but... When I try to go to sleep at night, uh, too much light in the room disrupts my sleep. 
because I still see that light. When I was uh, plowing in the winter from years ago and you'd be up at midnight to go out and start your route because you had to finish by 7 a.m., fun times, right? Uh, you'd get done at the end of your shift and you'd go home and you'd try to sleep, but now it's daylight and with the snow outside, it's even brighter coming into your windows and I could just never sleep. I might get an hour or two at a time possibly, but I just couldn't sleep very well. Too much light was still getting in. And so when you close your eyes here, I know that the lights are on in the building here because that light is still getting to my eyes. For the person who is truly blind, that is gone as well. So we're going to look at what Jesus is doing here and the significance of this particular healing. I want us to uh, wrestle with the question first, uh, what does it mean to be blind? And there are actually different definitions of that, and people have maybe varying degrees of blindness. But I wanted to share what uh, Britannica.com from the Encyclopedia Britannica, what they what they defined blindness as, and they did it in, in two parts. Uh, there is total blindness. And according to them, it is the transient or permanent inability to see any light at all. So you could sit here with your eyes closed and you still actually see the light that's in the room. Even with your eyes closed, you see the light. But someone that is totally blind doesn't have even the capability of seeing any light. I thought it was interesting that they used that term. If you were going to describe to somebody what blindness is, would you have said it that way? Yeah, they just can't see any light. Wouldn't you say they can't see anything? I can't see people. I can't see objects. I can't see trees. I can't see the sky. I can't see the birds. I can't. We think of seeing as seeing objects. But Britannica said they can't see any light. I thought that was a good way of putting it. That would be total blindness. Whether that's your condition all the time or or most of the time you don't see any light at all, they would still consider that to be totally blind. There's also uh, another uh, a way of looking at that in our, in our world today. Um, in the spiritual sense, total blindness would be like this, um, where Paul is speaking here, uh, speaking of the gospel. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Going back to that, what Britannica said, that they can't see any light at all. And then you recognize that Jesus is the light of the world, and they don't see any of that. We could take what the encyclopedia uses as a definition for physical blindness and apply that to spiritual blindness as well, because... Uh, they're not able to see any of the light at all. He 
It keeps them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They don't, they don't recognize Jesus for who he is. So on the one hand, you have those that are totally blind in their physical eyes and they don't see any light, and you have those that are spiritually blind and they don't see the light of Christ, who is God among us, God when he came here and lived on this earth. That would be kind of that condition for them as well. There's also functional blindness, and this goes back to uh, Britannica again. This is the inability to retain any useful vision despite attempts at vision enhancement. Um, Now, there's a fair number of us here that uh, wear glasses because without them, we don't see well enough. For for, uh, this functional blindness, as it's said by Britannica, there's this... uh, Inability to retain any useful vision. I don't know who the writer of Britannica was, but I think they nailed it when it came to what that means in the spiritual realm as well. We, we put on our glasses so we have a functioning vision. There are some people whose eyes are so bad, if they take their glasses off, they have no useful vision at all. They can't see up close. They can't see far. They, it wouldn't help them enough to get through. They're, they would always be in danger of not being able to see obstacles or, or hazards or the things that they need to. So we, we correct our vision. Functional blindness is the inability to retain that. You have it, but you just can't keep it. It doesn't help you enough. There is a spiritual component to that as well because everybody is given the opportunity to see. Everybody comes into this world with the ability to be able to see what God will show them. Paul talks about that in uh, Romans 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world so that the things that have been made, uh, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Everybody comes into this world with the ability to see that there has to be more than what my eyes perceive when it comes to figuring out how this whole world got here. Paul says, because they're able to actually see that, but then choose to ignore it, they're without excuse, but basically what he's saying is what Britannica said is that they are functionally blind. They have the ability, but they don't seem to be able to retain any useful vision in this world. Whatever they do see isn't a help for them. What they really need to see, they don't, and it's of no value then. There is in that uh, sense of uh, differing degrees of blindness where, I don't know if this is maybe the right way to put it, but uh, everybody starts with some ability to see, but then you progress to functional blindness. And that's kind of the way it is in our world as well. Um, 
not as often do people instantly lose their sight, other than maybe uh, uh, injury and that kind of thing. Um, it happens typically progressively, where I could see, but now I don't see so well, and I'm heading towards total blindness. That would be the same as well in the spiritual realm, where you come into this world able to see, but we lose vision because of things that we focus on. Maybe we focus in a different area and we lose sight of what is right and true in this world. That was a part of the case there, even with the people of Israel. If we look at Isaiah uh, 42, he says this here, Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things but does not observe them. He hear, his ears are open, but he does not hear. People of Israel were often accused of having ears but not hearing, having eyes but not seeing. Somehow they had slipped from Everything that God had shown them, and we're, we're, we're about at that place now when we're in our reading in the book of Exodus to see the amazing, wonderful things that God would show the people of Israel so they would understand the greatness of our God. And yet, coming through all of that, and in each generation, they, they lose sight so much so that they were accused of not hearing and not seeing. It should have been plain to them, especially to the people of Israel. Everybody's born without excuse, but, but the people of Israel had no excuse at all to be able to see what God was doing in the world and who he is trying to reveal himself as. So everybody starts with a level of vision, we start to lose vision, and then we get to the place where uh, total blindness is at risk. There's, there's something, though, about about what Jesus is doing here in this miracle, in this particular healing, that's different. There's, there's something about this. Well, there's something about everything that Jesus does, and I don't want to discount that. But in Mark's theological layout of revealing to us who Jesus is, this one has significance uh, in different ways. And I want to hopefully see if we can... Uh, bring that out, uh, what is significant about this healing. You know, there's a, there are a few things that this particular healing has in common with all of the other ones. Uh, but in large part, there are, this one's different. When, when Jesus was uh, healing as he went along, and if you if you flip through the the Gospel of Mark as we've been doing that, and he and he heals uh, he heals a man with a demon. He just speaks the word. 
He just says something. Jesus just speaks, which is the powerful authority that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have. They just speak, and things change. He told the man with a withered hand, just stretch out your hand. He didn't do anything. He just spoke. When it was the death of a little girl, he lifted her up by the hand. There was no procedure or anything. He just spoke and said, get up. Most everything that Jesus has done so far that Mark has been showing us is basically just a one-step process of healing. With the exception of the man who was deaf and mute. That one's similar to this one, and there's reason for that, I believe. In that one, he, he spit in his fingers and put it in his ears, and then he, there was an action that he took, not just speaking a word. He did something. Did he have to do anything? Is there some significance as to why Jesus is doing what he's doing here? I think there's great significance as to uh, what's happening here in, in light of what Mark is trying to convey to us about the person and character of Jesus. The, like many people that were healed in Jesus' day, they, they brought this man to Jesus. Other people brought people to Jesus and as we've seen throughout uh, Mark's gospel already, people would beg him for something. That was, again, what's happening here. Uh, the friends of this guy bring him to Jesus, and they beg him to lay his hands on him and heal him. There's a desperation there. There's, there's an urgency with this that the people, his friends, they bring him to Jesus and beg him. The demons begged that he'd leave. The, the village people begged that he'd get out of there. And now we have somebody again here begging to be healed. There's an urgency with this. This, this is a, a different healing, though, uh, in that it comes in two parts. There are two, two parts to the way Jesus heals here. Actually, there are two, two parts. First, there's the, he, he spits in the man's eyes. And I don't know that he, you know, hawked in the guy's eyes or whatnot. I don't know that he did that. But probably, you know, spit on his fingers or whatever and, and then touched the man's eyes, much like he did with the, the man who was deaf. There was something about that that Jesus was trying to convey that I'm going to do something that is going to cause you to be able to see. And it was... Uh, kind of a familiar thing where somebody would do something to your eyes. There's, there, obviously, if you're going to be able to see with your eyes again, somebody has to do something to your eyes. People would put salve on your eyes and these kinds of things to try to restore sight again. So Jesus was going to show him that he was going to heal his eyes. And so he uses spit in the man's eyes to do that. So there's this, on the one sense, there is this uh, way in which Jesus is saying, I'm going to physically heal your eyes. And he's doing that by doing this in the physical way. 
that's the one part of it. The other part of it is that Jesus lays his hands on him. Not just his eyes. Jesus, and it doesn't say where or how exactly. But Jesus laid his hands. He, he spit in the man's eyes and he laid his hands on him. Now if you trace that through scripture, you'll see that when, when a leader such as Jesus, a religious leader is laying their hands on somebody, it conveys something. There's a transfer of, of power or when, when we have, and we, you know, with these awkward days, we have new elders and deacons coming in, we, we typically lay our hands on them and we're pronouncing a blessing on them. There's, there's a spiritual component to what we're doing here that laying hands on them conveys that. We just saw that in the, in the story of Joseph. At the end of, of Jacob's life, he's blessing all of the children and he comes to Ephraim and Manasseh and he, he lays his hands on them. He conveys something to them. He blesses them. And so Jesus is doing that same thing here. He's, he's addressing the man's physical condition by doing this physical thing with his eyes, but then he's also doing this spiritual thing where he's going to be doing something that laying hands on is important. That's the one of the two parts. There's also the two parts in that uh, Jesus does the first thing. He, he does the first of the two. He spits in the man's eyes and he lays his hands on him and he says, do you see anything? Well, I, I do see, except I don't see clearly, if we would translate that. I, I, I mean, I... I see that there's people. I've been hearing people around me all my life, so I see people. And I don't know, maybe this guy was not blind all the way from birth. Um, but So he recognizes people in trees, but he shouldn't see people as trees. So there's something that didn't quite happen here. And it's an interesting thing to be able to look at a, a, a healing that Jesus does, and it didn't take. Jesus was trying to make this man see Jesus who has all power and authority and he does the, the physical thing and he lays his hands on him as well and Jesus said, so now what do you see? Maybe he could have said, well, you know, I don't think it worked the way you wanted it to. Obviously, obviously that's not what Jesus was hoping for the ultimate outcome for this man that, well, I mean, you see things, right? Good enough? So Jesus, again, interacts with a man. Notice what he didn't do, or it isn't recorded for us for a reason. And I don't know if it was done and wasn't recorded or wasn't done, but it's not given to us. What didn't happen is Jesus spit in the man's eyes again and then put his hands on him again. He didn't do both things. The only thing he did was lay his hands on him again. And the man's eyes were opened. This time, the man sees clearly. It's interesting that you get to a miracle where it had to happen in two parts. But it's also telling 
of what we're trying to what what we're trying to understand here in Mark's gospel account of who is Jesus. There's a great significance to this. The the keys to understanding uh, who Jesus is, if you look at um, the the interaction that. Uh, John the Baptist, as he was in prison and he sends his disciples to Jesus, he asks this question, go, go ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And the, the reason why this miracle is significant and where it ties in with what John the Baptist would say, and this would have been before this time, this is what the answer is. Jesus answered them, go tell John, what you hear and see. You should have been hearing things. You should have been seeing things. Tell him this. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This was a prophecy of what was going to happen when Jesus came into the world. The deaf will hear, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the prisoner will be set free. Tell John, when he's asking, are you the one? Do I see really who you are? Or should I be looking to see for another person? And Jesus said, you see and hear all that I've been doing, right? I am the one that you've been expecting. If you can see, if you can hear, if you recognize that these things are being done, you see well. And yes, I am the one. The question uh, we would have then is, uh, would you like to have better vision? Now, for those of us that uh, have natural vision issues, I would. I, I would love to be able to uh, not do this, but now I can't read my papers anymore. I'd love to have better vision because it would make things much simpler for me. Uh, when I cook my bacon in the morning, the grease gets all over my glasses, and I've got to go through the time and the trouble of doing that, and I've already ruined a pair of glasses trying to clean them, and... I'd love to have my vision better, not have these things. Because I'm sure there are times when what I see is not as clear as it should be. I don't see the detail as well as I'd like to. I don't see uh, things, if I'm looking in the wrong spot, I, I don't even see that anymore because my vision's not like it should be. But for us in the spiritual realm, would you, would you like to see better. I can't imagine that any of us would say no, especially if you have any kind of issue with your own eyes. I mean, you know what physical sight being restored would bring to you. Imagine if we had better vision spiritually. Would we, would we not want to be able to see even clearer in the spiritual world? Would you then, like 
in this story, would you have your friends gather around you and present you before Jesus and beg Jesus for you to be able to see better? I don't see things as clearly as I'd like to. And that often causes a lot of problems in my life. When I don't see God's purpose in the world, I focus on other things and that leads me on a path that doesn't help me. The more I see the plan and the purpose in the person of Jesus, the more I see what his goals are in this world. And I can overlook some of the things that distract me. I can see those things, but I also see much more clearly what I'm supposed to see. I'd like to have that vision. It would be worth begging for, truly. I wonder if we ever spend time begging for spiritual vision. It's a worthy thing. What level of of commitment and urgency do we have when it comes to our inability to see what we need to see? Would you, would I, ask Jesus to let you see your sin? Now, sure, you can show me the plan of God. Everybody wants to know Uh, What's the meaning of life? Yes, show me that. But what if you asked him to show you your sinful character? Reveal to me. Search me, O God. And then point it out. Because every time I encounter my own sinful nature... And it isn't just every once in a while. Every time I encounter my own sinful nature, I recognize that there's still so much of me that needs to be redeemed, and I'm not happy with that man. I know I'm being redeemed, and I'm grateful for that. I know I'm on a process of sanctification, but I don't like who I am right now, and I'm not content with that. I want to be more like Jesus So I love my wife better. I love you better. I love the neighbors around us better. I show more grace. I show more love. I have more compassion. I'm willing to speak truth. God's truth. Would you ask him to see that? Like like David. David said, I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. When David was confronted with his sin, he recognized his own person, his own character, and he could make a change. He could then seek forgiveness. He could then be restored in where he was failing and then be able to help other people see and be restored in their own sinfulness. Would you like to see the needs of the people around us? 
Would you like to be able to see where God could use you today, tomorrow? We talked about the atrocity of abortion. Would you like to see how Jesus could use you for that? Do you see the needy around us? Would you like to see how to help the needy? Do you see those who are are lost in their sin? Would you like to be able to see how you could help them? Because if you've come through that time, wouldn't you want to bring provision for people that are lacking, having gone through that yourself and knowing that God will give me each day my daily provisions? Would you like to be able to see those in need around us so you would know then how to help them? Recognizing that too much is given, much will be required. I've been blessed with so much. Can you use me somehow? Do we want to see that? I think uh, in some ways what we deal with is what maybe a lot of us deal with when, when we were, our eyes were failing. Uh, we put it off for a long time. Uh, we do all kinds of crazy things to get by with our uh, limited vision. Uh, we, we play games, right? And you, you're, you're looking at something. We were just doing this uh, recently with a family. We're playing a game. We're passing something around. You have to read what's on the little thing there, and it's small. Uh, and there's a plastic cover over it, so... When he gets around to the one or two people who are still, uh, you know, trying to deal with vision issues, and they're like, "What? Oh, it's dark in here." You know, I, I had it, I had it before too, where uh, I couldn't see very well, and instead of taking the step to improve my vision, I got by for a while. And did you know that if you can't read uh, the words like these? Uh, if you, would, if you would make the smallest hole you can with your index finger and thumb and then look through it, I could read it. You know how many times I did that instead of just going out and breaking down and getting glasses so I wouldn't have to walk around? you imagine what you guys would do to me if I came up here and I was going to be preaching and every once in a while when I couldn't read it, I'd go like this? Oh, I'm sorry, that was the wrong word. Why do we put off? so long, waiting to improve our physical vision. But even worse, why would we put off wanting to gain better vision spiritually? Why muddle through life when clearer vision is available for us? Why keep waiting? Why be content with who we are, what we can see, when Jesus wants to reveal more of himself? There's also significance in this healing because Jesus is going to reveal more of where the disciples are at in their vision. And then he's going to begin to show them 
more specific things. He's going to change the focus for the disciples on what's to come. And this is kind of the turning point in that. And if the disciples don't get it yet, as far as who Jesus is, what's coming will not be accepted. In fact, for those people that don't recognize Jesus for who he is, especially when we, as we celebrated the Lord's Supper, when they don't understand what Jesus is doing and giving his body and his blood as life and nourishment for them, when they can't see that, they stop following. That's when you read about uh, followers of Jesus, that they got to that point and they just didn't understand that. They couldn't see what Jesus was talking about. And so they walked away. They stopped seeing. Jesus needs to know from his disciples at this point if he sees, if they see him. We, we grew up with these cell phone commercials when they were out. Do you hear me now when they were trying to make reception better? Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see him now. Do you see him now? Every, every turn, every new miracle that he does, even if it's a repeat of, of another one when he heals another man from being possessed or heals another lame man or another blind man, they all have significance to that. The idea is to be able to see Jesus. If you and I, well, we are going to, for, for those that put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ alone and commit their lives to him in this world, to following him, we will become like him. I want to become more like him now, not just waiting for the end. I want to see more clearly now who Jesus is. The more clearly I see him, the more joy I have in life, the more peace I have. When everything else is falling, out around, falling apart around us, the clearer I see Jesus, the better. And that stuff is just temporary anyway. This is a pivotal point in what Jesus is trying to show his disciples. And maybe he would ask them that question that he asked of us. Do you see me now? After all these things, after all that I've shown you, do you see me now, who I am? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we do admit that our vision, uh, spiritual vision is uh, often like our physical vision where it fails us at times. We don't see very clearly, but sometimes to our own shame, we are content with that. We don't do enough. We're not urgent enough about it. We don't, we don't beg you to be able to see more clearly who you are and how we can become more like you. And so we ask, Jesus, that you would forgive us of that for being content with vision that could be so much better we look forward to the day when, when we don't just look through a glass dimly, but we see clearly. Even 
as clearly as you see us. And so we long for that day where our vision will be complete. But never let us be so content with what will be one day and miss what you are ready to show us here and now. We asked as we started our meditation here on these verses that you would open our eyes to let us see you. It is still our prayer. We want you, Jesus, to be our vision, to give us the sight that we need, to see you, to see ourselves more clearly and the need around us. As we have prayed that prayer and we ask it again, we ask that you would open our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen.